What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. So a couple days ago, I was uh, I was at home and I was getting ready for work and in the bathroom, and I was just smelling this like weird funk. And you know, when you live with kids, you're like, that could be anything. <laughs> there could be a hot dog under the mattress. Uh, there could be leftover food. There could be uh, dirty diapers if you still have kids with dirty diapers. Fortunately, we're out of that stage, but it could literally be anything. So I'm like, become the nose detective. And if you're a dad, you know exactly what I mean by this. Like you just go around uh, hunting with your nose like a hound dog, um, trying to figure out <laughs> where the smell is. And so uh, I'm just like, I cannot find where the smell is coming from. And eventually, like as I'm literally on my hands and knees and sometimes army crawling throughout the house trying to figure out where the smell is coming from, it leads me to the vent in our room uh, and I smell down there and I have a flashback from when I'm like 10 years old and I remember finding a dead rat in my garage and that was the last time that I had smelled this exact same smell and sure enough that's uh, I was just convinced like this is what it is there is a dead rat uh, in our vents and uh, so we're renters which most days I'm like frustrated that we're paying rent instead of paying a mortgage and like actually making money on our house we're just throwing it away but we've got a good deal I'm happy with our rental house it's a whole nother story but one of the good things about being a rental uh, or a renter, as you know, is you can just call your landlord and be like, hey, there's a dead rat in my vent and I need you to come take care of it. So that's what I did. I called <laughs> our landlord and uh, within like an hour, she had somebody here, the rat man, uh, and he was just like <laughs> the exact kind of guy you would picture that this is the job. That's all I'll say. It's like he, he just loved uh, his job and uh, wanted to educate me on rats and dead ones. Anyway, so he's here and he's like telling me the problem. He climbs under the house and he's like, oh yeah, you definitely got a rat, man. There's a dead rat in there. And I'm like, all right, sweet. What do we do? And uh, he's like, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I can't reach it. And I'm like, all right, well, what does that mean? He's like, yeah, it's just going to have to, nature's going to have to take its course and uh, eventually it'll, the other animals and bugs will eat it away and the smell will go away. And so what he did was, this was, this was rat man's solution, you know, just, uh, let nature take its course. So, uh, you know, our house still smells like freaking dead rat, which is a problem. Uh, but what he did, what he did was he had put the, apparently there are these like bags that absorb, absorb the or, or odors of the dead rat. And he like dumps him down the vents and he's like, yeah, that should mask the smell for a little bit, uh, until the rat eventually is eaten away. I mean, it's really quite the process, quite the, uh, <laughs> quite the situation. Uh, essentially what had happened was, uh, he didn't really fix anything. He just masked the problem. I was like, well, man, dude, I could have like sprayed for breeze down the freaking vent. If that was the problem, like my landlord had to pay him to come out here. I don't know how much she paid for rat man to dump a couple odor absorbers down the vents. Anyway, what's happening here is that he just, he's covering the problem. He's not actually addressing what's really happening. And Layla and I have been doing a lot of premarital counseling lately, um, not on purpose, just so some of our friends are getting married this summer and they've asked us if we'd go through premarital counseling with them, which we're always stoked to do. One of our uh, 
we, we just enjoy doing that. So we've had a lot of friends over recently for premarital stuff. And uh, what, I, what I find myself telling these guys who are engaged and about to get married, uh, it comes up often. Uh, there are a couple key issues in almost every guy's life, almost every marriage that comes up, even though you feel like your marriage is unique or maybe your junk or your sin is unique. I can just remind you, uh, I hear a lot of people sin. Uh, I get a lot of emails. I get to sit and have coffee with a lot of different people. And I can tell you that there's not too many unique things. Of course, there's some unique stuff. Um, but for the most part, we're all struggling with the same stuff in some shape or fashion. And one of the things that guys typically struggle with is anger. Um I've met many, many, many men who struggle with anger, with their temper problems. And of course, there's a spectrum there. You've got guys who are just uh, over the top and some guys who are just angry and uh, they process it in different ways. But for the most part, men, a lot of us, uh, we are showing our frustration or emotions through anger. And what I tell guys often is anger is never the first emotion. I actually learned that back in college I didn't finish college, but in my few years that I did go, I remember I was in a psychology of human relations class. It was like a counseling kind of class. And I remember the professor saying, it was the first time I'd ever heard this, that anger is never the first emotion, that there's always something happening before that. There's always another emotion happening inside of you and it manifests itself in anger. And I thought that was super interesting. That really, really stuck out to me. And probably the I didn't get anything else from college, but that was the one thing that stuck out to me is that anger is never the first emotion. If you deal with anger, if you find yourself getting angry, there's typically, there's always actually, I would I would I would argue that there's always something else going on. And so when I'm meeting with these uh, engaged couples and especially the engaged guys, I'm telling them that even though you're dealing with anger, there's always something else going on. And so I tell them, like, ask yourself, the next time you're angry, ask yourself, what is your first emotion that you're feeling? What's actually going on? Are you angry at the person that you think you're angry at, which is most often our wife or our kids? Sometimes it's our boss or a friend or what a coworker or whatever. But ask yourself, are you actually angry with them? Or is there something else happening within you and all you're doing is masking it uh, through anger? You are throwing an odor absorber down the vent as a way to mask it when there's actually something deeper going on. And so my my challenge would be, like, what is the root problem? What is the actual cause of what's going on in your spirit? I I gave this a example last time when we were doing premarital. Like, um, I was on a video shoot. Uh, I own a company that does videos for other businesses. And uh, we were on a video shoot in, I think, South Carolina. And I'd never been there before. But we're out and it's kind of humid, different climate. I'm like, I loved it, by the way. I could totally see myself moving to South Carolina. For any of you listeners out there, if you've got a vacation home in South Carolina, I will gladly take you up on it. Um, <laughs> but there's, there was I, we were doing this shoot and there's like this gecko lizard thing that I had never seen before. Super cool little lizard. Um, and I went to grab it 
And I, I was trying to be like as gentle as possible to grab its little body by the waist, you know, and pull it down. And what I wanted to do was take a picture of my for my son because he really likes those kinds of things. And so when I went to grab it, it made like this hissing sound and like opened its mouth real wide and turned towards me like it was going to bite me. And all I could see, even though the thing was about two and a half inches long, all I saw in my mind was like I, was, I just had reached out and bear hugged a crocodile and it was ready to rip my face off. Um, so I reacted that way way, even though, again, was about a two-inch gecko, I reacted uh, with a scream as if I was holding a crocodile who was about to take my life, and uh, needless to say, embarrassed myself in front of everyone uh, for this little creature. But what was happening is, even though this thing was little, its defense mechanism was to be as loud as possible, which was like... Not even that loud, you know, tiny little scream from this little gecko. Uh, Its mouth got real big. It it tried to make itself as big and as loud as possible, which we know animals, that is their defense mechanism, become bigger and louder. And maybe we can convince the other prey that we have some kind of fight in us and that we're strong. And it's funny because you and I do this all the time, like us men do this all the time. It's kind of in our man nature that if when we're angry, if we can just become a little bit louder and a little bit bigger and kind of puff our chest and raise our voice, we might be able to convince you that we're strong and that we're tough. And what's really actually happening is we're just defending ourselves from the first emotion, from what's actually happening in us. Because if you would see past that little gecko's loud mouth and little scream and it turning to try to bite me, what's actually happening is it was scared to death. Um, And that's probably what's happening for you when you're angry. There's always a first emotion and you have to ask yourself, what am I actually feeling? And my guess is after hanging out with dudes for quite a while uh, and just trying to be introspective and self-aware of myself, when I'm angry, when I'm like shouting, when I'm like the little gecko with my Mm -hmm. mouth hissing and, and open wide, what's actually happening is most often I'm feeling extremely insecure or extremely inadequate or I'm incredibly afraid, or I feel disrespected. Let me walk a couple of these th- walk through a couple of these things with you. Most often, my, my number one emotion when I am angry is I actually feel insecure. And what I'm afraid of is that you might find out who I really am, or you're starting to see who I really am. And if you see who I really am, you'll find out quickly that I'm kind of full of BS and I'm actually not that great. And, uh, and you'll call me out on my junk and most devastating, you won't like me. And so if I can distract you with being loud or saying something mean or being big or seem really frustrated, then I might distract you. I might put up a wall. I can defend myself from you finding out that I'm actually super insecure and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I'm guessing that if uh, you're listening to this and you deal with anger anywhere on that spectrum, that that's probably your story. Um, I found this to be probably most true for both guys and girls. It just manifests itself differently with guys most often. Um, But what's happening when you're angry is you're probably feeling incredibly insecure. And that's your first emotion. And so what you do to mask it 
as you get loud or you get angry or you give the silent treatment. Anger can show up in all kinds of different ways. Maybe you go totally silent. Um, anger doesn't have to be loud and angry. Ang- anger can show up in all kinds of different ways. But even in your anger, regardless of how it manifests itself, really what's under there, most likely, uh, if I can be presumptuous here, is that you're feeling incredibly insecure that this person, your wife, your kids, your boss, your coworkers, whomever, will find out that you're actually not as great as you're making yourself seem and that most uh, importantly and, and probably the scariest is that they won't actually like you. We feel uh, insecure. We also feel inadequate um, that I'm actually not good enough. Um, that I ha- I actually have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not that great of a husband or I'm not that great of a dad or I'm not that great of a Jesus follower or I'm not that great of a worker <clears throat> or whatever it is. Um, I think we're afraid that our inadequacies will show up. You know, even in the sense that, you know, I've met many of, walked to many of my friends. I've been in this, this situation in my own life where uh, I've been without a job and my wife was putting a lot of pressure on me to get a job. And eventually that fueled me to get angry. And so I say things like, you know, just get off my back about it or just stop pestering me about it or you're not willing to uh, do xyz about it but really what's happening in my anger is deep down like when i'm laying my head down on my pillow at night what's actually happening is i'm scared and i'm feeling like crap maybe i'm inadequate maybe nobody wants me to work for them or maybe i'm not good enough to have the kind of job that i want to have or whatever it is but deep down what i'm actually feeling underneath the anger is that i'm inadequate that I'm not good enough, that I, I watch other people have good jobs and other people do work and I don't feel like I can do it. Why did I get laid off or why can't I find a job or why can't I find a job that I love? And deep down what I'm feeling is I'm not good enough. There's fear, like sometimes behind our masking and our anger and our loudness, we're actually scared. We're scared to death. We're scared because we're out of control. Uh, there's things happening outside of our realm of control. Maybe it's bills. Maybe it's the way, maybe it's sickness, right? Like maybe your kids get super sick or uh, a family member dies or something happens outside of your control where that you get, like I said, laid off or something happens to a family member, your family member, your kid at school, your wife, like whatever it is, but there's this fear that you are out of control. And for us dudes, we hate this, man. Like we love to be in control. We love to be problem solvers, to be fixers. Like if there's a problem, uh, our God-given wiring, the way that God designed us is that we are problem solvers and that we can fix things. You put something in front of us, our natural um, design, our natural inclination is that we can are thinking about how can we fix this and, you know, oftentimes our wives can say things like, man, I just don't want you, I don't want you to fix it anymore. Just listen to me, which is true. We need to learn how to be empathetic and how to be good listeners. But also, we also need to just like be valued as fixers. That's the way that God designed us to fix things. And so when something is not fixable, when something is out of our control, when we can't create or present a solution to a problem, we feel out of control. And oftentimes we shout and we get angry and we act really mad. But what's happening deep down, again, when we lay our heads down on our pillow at night and when we hear the voice inside of our head, what's actually happening is we're scared to death. We're scared that we don't have control. 
I think one of the the other ways that this shows up or maybe the first emotion that comes behind the anger is just a feeling of being disrespected. Like we want people to think we're smart or that we're good enough or that we're competent. And when you don't, when that comes across, like your wife makes you feel like you're not smart or not good enough or not competent or your boss makes you feel like that. And there's a sense that we've been disrespected and we get pissed. We get pissed and we get angry. We want to prove that we're right and we'll do anything. Our pride starts to fester up in us and well up in us and we we will do anything to prove that we're right and that we're smart and that we're competent. But again, what's actually happening, the first emotion that we're actually feeling is the sense that we've been disrespected, that you don't think I'm good enough, that you don't think I'm confident, that you don't think I'm smart. Uh, these are like, I just, that was four uh, examples of what could the first emotion can be behind the anger? I, I imagine that there's hundreds, if not thousands of other things that you could be feeling as your first emotion. But first, like if you catch anything from this podcast, uh, I, th- I think that I would want you to catch, actually, even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, ah, there's something else I want you to catch, but that's coming in just one minute. Uh, but catch this. I hope you catch a couple things. So number one, catch this. Uh, your anger is not your first emotion. Despite you like being loud, despite you being angry, despite you trying to uh, manipulate with your words or with your silence or whatever, what's actually happening is most likely you're feeling something else and that is probably some type of insecurity or incompetency or fear or disrespected. Um, Something else is happening. And so my first challenge to you would be to when next time you're angry, ask yourself, what is it that I'm really feeling here? Here's my um, theory on this as Christian men. Here's what I think is actually happening, and the Bible addresses this. It's called the fear of man. Not in the sense of like, man, I, I'm really scared of my boss, or I'm really scared of my wife, or my kids, or my coworkers, or whatever. Most of us don't feel that, although <laughs> uh, I've... <laughs> I'm sure they met guys who are scared of their wives for good reason. Um, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about that you're like scared of your life. Like, holy crap, no, you haven't seen my wife angry. Like, you want to talk about fear of man? This woman is psycho. Uh, I've, I've met guys who have told me that, and that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the fear of man in the sense that uh, what we're what's happening is I need you. I need you, wife. I need you, my kid. I need my boss. I need whoever to give me some kind of satisfaction or some kind of security. I need you to tell me that I'm uh, that I'm good enough, that I am competent, that I don't need to be, that I'm in control or that I'm respected or that I'm uh, valued and all these things, right? We need something from them and it's desperate. Like we'll do anything. Well, uh, my friend Dan, uh, he goes to, he's in church. He's, he sits on the board of directors for Dad Tired. He's a good friend of mine. He walked us through this fear of man stuff at church last Sunday. It was so good. Uh, but he was talking about like, he'll he'll just tell these little lies. Like he'll just do the tiniest exaggerations. And then he'll get back in the car and he's heading home. He's like, why the heck did I say, like, why did I exaggerate such a small thing? Like I've never climbed Mount Everest. Why did I tell all my friends that I just climbed it last weekend? Right? Like that's obviously not a small exaggeration, but you and I do this all the time. We all laughed because we could relate. Like, why do, why do we tell these little lies? And really what we're doing is we're just fighting for, we're desperate for somebody to think we're valuable, that we're good enough, that we're cool, that we can be respected. And so it shows up in all kinds of different ways. Like part of it is telling little lies. Part of it is, uh, 
manipulating things or exaggerating things or presenting things on social media to make it look like you're good enough, to make it look like you're competent, uh, that you can be, that you're, res- you should be respected, that you're smart, that you dress well, whatever. We're all searching for our identity and all kinds of different stuff. Let me read a couple of verses to you here and then we're going to wrap up. The, f- the first verse is this, Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And dude, we could end the podcast right there and that would be enough. Like that's enough good news for us to just stop and thank Jesus. The fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Hebrews 13, six says this, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Matthew 10, 28 says this, and do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Galatians 1, 10 says this, for I am now seeking the, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Psalm 118.8 says this, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And Isaiah 51.12 says, I am he who comforts you. This is God talking. I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass? God over and over and over in scripture is saying, listen, there's only one person that you should fear. It's God, the one who could take body and soul, the one who created everything. Like, why are you so afraid of man? It's a snare. It's a trap to be afraid, to seek security and identity and refuge and hope and identity and uh, safety. Why do you seek that in man who just will die like you will die? They're so weak compared to me, God. I am the God of the universe. There's only one that you should be fearful of, and it's me. And then the best news is this. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've identified as a child of God, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then listen, there's no more reason to fear. The good news is that he's in control. You don't have to fear. If you believe God is who he says he is, if you believe that he can actually feed the birds of the air and he can take care of the beasts in the field and he breathed out and the the whole galaxies came into motion, that he is outside of time, that he is glorious, majestic God, then why are you afraid of man? There's a God who's in control and that God says, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. God says, because of what Jesus did on your behalf, then I can call you righteous. God looks at you not as a sinful, broken, jacked up dude. God looks at you as righteous, the same righteous as he looks at Jesus. That's insane. God says that he sees you not with sin or with blemish or with junk, but he sees you as righteous a pure, clean child of God because of what Jesus did on your behalf. He's not holding your sin against you. He sees you as righteous as he sees Jesus. And so you don't need to chase the approval of others. It seems silly. 
It seems silly that you would chase the approval of your wife or your kids or your boss, that you would need them to give you some kind of respect or hope or dignity or tell you that you're good enough or whatever when, it, when you compare them to Jesus and Jesus says, you're good enough. I look at you and I'm delighted in you. I'm not just tolerating you, but I'm delighted in you. I take joy in you. I don't see your sin anymore, but I see you as pure and as righteous. You don't have to fear man anymore. Jesus says you're good enough. You don't have to be good enough for anybody else. And uh, that's my challenge for you, bro. Like, as you are living life this week, uh, you're likely listening to this. Probably uh, the podcast drops on Monday. So, whatever day you're listening to this podcast or this episode, uh, you will likely face scenarios today, this very day, and for sure this week, where you will look for your identity in something other than God. And when you don't get that, when you don't get your identity met and all your things uh, that you're desiring fulfilled in somebody else, whether that be your wife or your kids or your boss or your coworker, you will probably get angry. And my challenge to you is to ask yourself, what are you actually angry about? Are you angry at your wife? Are you angry at your spouse? Are you angry at your kids or your boss or your coworkers? Are you angry at them? Are you actually feeling something deeper? Are you feeling insecure or inadequate or scared? Are you fearful that you're out of control? And bro, this is the thing that I actually want you to hear. This is what I was going to say at the, a few minutes ago when I said, if there's one thing you catch, if there's one thing you catch, would it be this, that there's a God who is in control. There is a God who delights in you. There's a God who thinks you're good enough because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's a God who you've already got the approval of. Do not chase the fear of man, the fear of your wife or your kids or your boss or whomever. Chase after the fear of God. And you don't have to be afraid anymore because the good news of Jesus is he thinks you're good enough. He thinks you're valuable. You have already won his approval. I love you guys. 